Hi, I'm Toby. And I'm Nick. Welcome to the Pure Property Podcast. Uh, This is where we talk about all things property and property investment. The aim of the podcast is to give you our industry insights and knowledge to help investors to invest intelligently. Now, this week's episode is going to be... quite a quite an interesting one and we've decided to do this now we haven't really covered this for for a few weeks um and it's to do with the the uk property market and how we're finding things at the moment so uh, there there has been a reason why we haven't sort of done this episode sooner with everything going on and that's just because with how fast pace moving everything is we didn't think it'd be wise to sort of jump in initially because we wanted to see how the landscape was was panning out which and there is still um more data and more info that's needed but we've got enough now to get an idea on what we think the market's going to do um and how sort of the market is performing at the moment um but before we go into that um obviously at track capital we do the uk and we also do the dubai market as well um so yeah we've introduced uh, uk and overseas investors to the dubai property market to invest into so it's it's always interesting to find out more about that now nick is based at our dubai office uh, so nick is on on the ground in dubai so he has the, the sort of more in-depth knowledge and up-to-date in tune insight to the market so i think it'd be wise nick if you give a give an overview and uh, sort of a bit of insight into what's going on in dubai what's going on with the dubai property market how how it's performing yeah good stuff hi everyone so as toby mentioned i'll give a bit of an overview of the dubai market uh, focusing on the last quarter so quarter three 2022 now the reason why I think this is helpful is one, because a lot of our investors are interested and do actively purchase in Dubai. But two, it's also a great opportunity to show alternatives to people that are used to investing in the UK market. Um, it's going to be really interesting to look at the statistics and the data and see how the two compare, because at the moment, they're very, very different indeed. The sentiment and the confidence and the posi- positivity sorry, over here is drastically different compared to the UK. But we'll give everyone an overview and then you can make your own minds up and uh, obviously follow up us, follow up with us with for uh, any information or additional insight. So, yeah, what I'm going to just quickly scan through then, I've got it up on my screen, is um, Dubai land department data. Now, this is effectively the equivalent of the, the UK land registry. Now, a website called DXB Interact summarizes this data beautifully. So I'll just um, go through this quickly and give you a, a snapshot of a few numbers and a few different things that we look at when we're analyzing opportunities over here. Uh, and hopefully that will give you a good understanding of you know, the, the current market conditions here. So firstly, kicking things off then, and obviously, Toby, just jump in, interrupt any questions, any useful uh, bits you think I should dwell on uh, throughout. But the quarter three of this year was the busiest on record in the Dubai um, history of of transactions, basically. So in total, 25,503 transactions were completed. Now, you've got to remember, Dubai is actually, although most people do think, call it a country sometimes, it's, it's just a city here, right? So it's 3.3 million people. So transactions of 25,000 uh, in a quarter is, is quite substantial. Uh, as everyone knows, there's a lot of um, development going on here, as well as interest in the secondary market. So uh, that's a spread between the two. In total, just under 18,000 apartments were sold and just under six thousand villas were sold so if you look at the year on year sales volumes um versus q3 2021 to q2 
sorry, to Q3 22, there was a 73.8% rise in the number of transactions in the apartments. So buying mm-hmm. units in Dubai. So absolutely huge number, 75% up this time compared to the same time this last uh, last year. Uh, and then with regards to villas, it's a 37.2% rise. So again, you're seeing huge, huge demand and, and money coming into the Dubai market, which is really, really positive to see. Uh, the total value of transactions, this might be a bit difficult for some people, and I won't convert this to pounds right now, but the total value of uh, the sales transactions was just under 70 billion dirhams, which is a 63.9% rise compared to this time last year. So you can see even in the last 12 months alone, the the, the level of transactions and the, the actual activity here has gone through the roof for a number of reasons. I mean, we could do a podcast on this individually, but it's namely due to things like uh, visa changes, uh, how COVID was handled, the vaccination rollout. Uh, you've got uh, going back to visas, you've had the new golden visa introduced uh, and various government schemes and incentives, which are, are driving traffic in both of the tourist side and the long term visitors here. And as a result, the uh, the demand has increased significantly. Wow. And is there a, a pocket of the market or an area of the market you're noticeably seeing that sort of take place? Like obviously in the UK, sometimes it can be mixed between like London or Manchester, Liverpool. Or is there a certain area of Dubai where it's, it's maybe taking place more than others? But I know Dubai is still always evolving and and stuff being created but yeah is there anything you notice on that side yeah one of the biggest areas um which has seen substantial growth is a place called business bay now business bay is actually where our where i'm sat right now in our office um it's a, a commercial area surrounding downtown dubai now downtown dubai is where the burj khalifa is the world's tallest building and dubai mall the world's largest mall um so it's very famous gets a lot of foot traffic but it's effectively um built out and developed so there's no sites in downtown dubai for developers to just pick up easily and build out however in the immediate vicinity of downtown is this area called business bay which effectively wraps around the edge of um, downtown dubai and there is a bit more room for construction here so predominantly it was a commercial area it's full of you know skyscrapers and and office buildings but the past five to ten years has been a lot more activity on the uh, residential side so you've got big brand names coming in here now Um, you've got the sls hotel uh, you've got Dalal Arkin, who did the W residence. Uh, we've got Paramount Towers from Damak. You've got Omniat and Dorchester Apartments. Hilton have come into here recently. Uh, Missoni. So all these luxury brands are piling into Business Bay. And as a result, you've seen a big uplift in um, the, the actual level of transactions. So in answer to your question, Business Bay itself, the sales uh, volume of transactions for the quarter three in 2022 was 3,153 individual sales. And if you compare that to the closest uh, competitor in second place was Dubai Marina at 1,802. So you got 1,802 versus 3,153. So Business Bay has absolutely gone through the roof in terms of demand. And Dubai Marina is the most mature, most established market in Dubai. So that's where everyone knows, where everyone goes on holidays. Uh, and, you know, Business Bay is almost double the level of transactions in, in the last quarter. So if you are looking at Dubai, if you're looking for strong capital growth whilst benefiting from the, the short term let market and the visitor volumes in downtown, um, then I'd recommend Business Bay is certainly a, a big one to uh, to look at. And 
the question we get from investors a lot when they're looking at the Dubai market is what sort of what sort of properties should they be looking at as an investment? So how, what would you recommend um, one of our UK buyers who doesn't know much about the, the, the Dubai market? Um, what would you say is a good, well-rounded investment for them? Yeah, so, I mean, it goes back to your, your fundamentals, right? So in Dubai, there is, as people know, the outskirts and some locations within the city are what you would call emerging locations. So they don't quite have the infrastructure, i.e. the transport, education, healthcare, roads, um, as other areas of Dubai, which are a bit more mature and now really, really well established where even to the level you've got big funds and corporations buying up floors and, and buildings. So first things first, nail down a, a strong location. Ideally, you want to be uh, in, a, in an expat residential community, places like Arabian Ranches, Dubai Hills, which are all sort of villa communities. Um, or if you're looking at apartments, then in and around downtown and Dubai Marina would be the best bets. Now, in terms of like a pure investment standpoint and numbers wise, I'd be looking at off plan. The reason being is that developers here compared to the UK are absolutely huge. We're, we're talking companies that deliver 30,000, 40,000 units, uh, public companies, you know, some of the largest independent developers in the Middle East. They're huge. As a result, their track record um, in terms of product finish and delivery date um, and customer service is, is very, very strong indeed. So you can have the confidence, even if you're sat in the UK or maybe Hong Kong, something like that, and you're looking at Dubai, you, you know, you fancy a holiday home for a couple of weeks a year, you want to save a bit of tax, you're, you're happy to, you know, uh, invest remotely, then Dubai could be a great one to look at. And that off-plan um, strategy of buying in at the lowest price, getting a payment plan for the developer, having it fully managed, hands-off, new apartment can be one to definitely look at. And just to finalize on that bit, that's actually reflected in the market conditions. So one good thing about Dubai and where I'm getting this data from is it's very transparent so you can see everything what happens in the marketplace. Now, in terms of off-plan versus ready properties, this goes to show you how attractive off-plan here is. In quarter three, 2022, 57% of the transactions were off-plan. 43 were ready properties. So people do often look at off-plan and they think, you know, it's a, it can be a bit more risky, which is true. Um, but if you're doing the right checks and you're securing the right deal, um, there's a reason why 50%, 57% of the transactions in the entire market are off-plan. It's a huge, huge opportunity. And unlike the UK... In Dubai, when you buy off plan, it's almost always discounted at about 15 to 20%, depending on when you buy. That doesn't always happen, but in most cases, it, it's very clear to see you get big discounts if you buy off plan here, uh, which you don't always get in the UK. The UK, you have to be a bit more careful and really make sure you're getting that bargain. So just to recap then, before while we round up on the Dubai bits, um, very, very busy, busiest quarter since records begun, 25,000 transactions. Uh, places like Business Bay uh, and Dubai Marina are top in the list in, in terms of the most popular locations. Uh, and the off-plan market is going through the roof. We, we're consistently seeing 50 to 60% per month of the entire market transactions being in the off-plan market. So there's a lot happening here. If you want a bit more insight on that, feel free to give us a shout or make an inquiry with us. And uh, I can certainly speak you through the boring statistics and data and also some flashy projects with you know nice swimming pools and uh, stunning views as well. 
Yeah, definitely. They are. They're, they're, they are really spectacular. It's definitely it's the nice thing about Dubai investment is you do have the option to really use it as a holiday home um, yeah. because, yeah, the amenities you get, the location and stuff, and obviously short let being very popular in Dubai. It's, yeah, in terms of investment, it's cracking to have that um, best of both, especially if you compare it to like a holiday let that you would get here in the UK. You have to pay ridiculous amounts of money for where in comparison to Dubai, it's a fraction of the price, um, but with guaranteed sunshine and amazing swimming pools and amenities. So I know which one I would prefer. Guaranteed suntan. No brainer. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Excellent. So moving on to the UK market, which is obviously a hot topic at the moment. And I, I can't. I can't even lie um, that we don't get this question on a daily basis from multiple clients, um, sort of uh, in new investors, sort of everyone we're speaking to. One of the most common questions we're getting is like, "Look, what's going on in the market? Um, is it is it crashing? What 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 is going on?" And we've as I said, we've we've strategically picked the right time to come and speak about this because we wanted to gather some data and really get a well-rounded response. I think the first part of that will be just quite bluntly to say, don't read into the media and what they're what they're saying. If you read the headlines, he, he, read the articles, it's going to be doom and gloom for the property market. It's crashing. It's going to be horrible. And what you tend to find with with the media is when they say one thing, usually do the opposite because um, they 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 really like to sort of sell stories. And again, doom and gloom is is their 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 sort of bread and butter in terms of getting rid of their papers and uh, people reading their 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 articles. So, and I say that um, to, uh, in the sense that you can obviously take note of what the media is saying, but don't draw on a, on a conclusion and take for face value what they're saying you need to read into it do your research and look at the data which is saying i've done i've had multiple conversations with people that said the market's crashing and when i've asked why they said because they read it in the news then i said well have you read the data have you read why they're trying to indicate or what that headline's actually insinuating and they say no and then when you talk them through it it starts to paint a very different picture so just just on that then let's have let's have a look at what the data is saying. Um, and before I go on to that as well, lastly, what I want to say is we're not sitting here saying the market's going to crash. We're not here sitting here saying that the market's going to absolutely rock it off. Um, because at this moment in time, it's very hard to say what the market's going to do. And again, if we knew what the market was going to do, we would be very rich people because we'd be able to <laughs> sort of maneuver within that market and make lots and lots of money. All we're saying here is our thoughts, our experience, and how we are perceiving the data and everything that's presented to us is what's leading us to our conclusions and how we're operating within this market. So I think firstly, if we look at the, the latest home track uh, report, uh, which is done by uh, sort of Zoopla, so uh, very, very good data to, to take in um, and one, one we really relate to a lot. And if you look at their headline figures, so obviously they're saying UK prices uh, are going to crash potentially. But when we look at their figure, and again, just remember this data is, is lagged. So this will be taken into consideration probably sort of August. It's released in September and we are waiting for the next one that come out soon. Uh, but still, UK house, pro, house, pro, house price growth, sorry. Uh, yeah, UK house price growth is sitting at uh, 
up 8.2% year on year. It's a very important figure. Um, listings um, are as well, if I look at the data here. So stock for sale is still down 21%. Demand um, is still up on the, uh, I think it's a five-year average they uh, they do this off. Yeah, a five-year average. It's, um, demand is still up um, 5%. So stock is down, demand is still up. So again, so stock, that, in other words, that's supply, right? Exactly. So supply is down. Um, so we're still, yeah, well below the five-year average. Um, and that does fluctuate between the, between the sort of seasons and yeah, different times of the year. So just to bear that in mind. So yeah, just taking that into equation, um, again, that supply and demand imbalance is one of the fundamentals that has kept the property market um, aggressively growing. For the for for a number of years, but also what is keeping it um, sort of propped up at this moment in time, and that is not going to change anytime soon. So that's something very very important to remember. Um, and just a little caveat: what we're talking about is uh, the country as a whole. Of course, you can look hyper locally, and it will vary. But a country as a whole, um, you've still got cities such as Nottingham um, registering year on year in August eleven point. 1% growth, um, Leeds 9.3, Manchester 9.2, Liverpool 8.8. So still very, very strong um, data and, and figures there. So that's that part. Then if we look at the latest house price index from um, Halifax, now this is one that you would have seen probably plastered over the media um, in, in indicating that the, the property market is going to crash. Um, and that was because the headline figure is the monthly change was 0.1% reduction. Now, if you think about that, 0.1% reduction. Bearing in mind, this is September and seasonally as well, prices will adjust. So it's not uncommon uncommon for that to take place. Mm. So you'll 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 hear the headline saying prices are dropping, markets crashing. But then when you look at that in context, well, 0.1% isn't actually anything drastic. But then when you look at their quarterly figure, it's still up 1.3%. So that's that's good. Um, and annual change, they've still got it sitting around 9.9% up as well. So again, when you look at the overall broad figures, the, a good way to, to look at this would be look at the stock market. If you invest in a stock and it drops one month, do you suddenly think, oh my God, this stock's, this stock's crashing. It's, it's going to go to zero. No, you probably think, well, what's the reason for that stock? Maybe they've got um, some figures being uh, brought out. And then what you tend to find happens is a stock will fluctuate. Obviously, one one month it'll go down, one, one day it might go down, then it comes back up. And again, that's why looking at monthly um, price adjustments isn't always the best thing. You need to look at the bigger picture. And when we look at the bigger picture, as it stands, it, it's not that scary. Um, yeah, just to um, jump in on that point then. So with regards to, just circling back to supply, um, there's a couple, there's two points I want to make there based on what you just said. So number one, supply. Um, the UK or investors in the UK, particularly ones that are based there, they often take this point for granted. But mm. this is UK is one of the very few markets where there is a genuine, you know, lack of um, 
uh, space to develop in in certain cities. Um, it's just a lot more restrictive because we you know we're a small island effectively, which is what puts that pressure on. You know, the, the well, a few years ago we were saying the housing pro- uh, crisis and and things like that. Whereas I'm sat here as we touched on in Dubai, and you can build for years and years and never have any issues here. It's uh, there's so much space to develop. There's so much supply coming to the market with, you know, new buildings coming up consistently, consistently. And we've, you know, been following the the markets, obviously, in the UK for years and years now. And the if you look at any one time on the market, just say Manchester, you might have five new build developments that might match your criteria or may be suitable for you. If you compare that to other cities, such as Dubai, you would literally have 30 to 40 so that's just a pure indicator of where people in the UK that we bang on about supply and demand all the time is because the supply is restricted and that's what keeps the pressure on the upward prices over a sustained period of time. So don't take that for granted. It is it's a bit of a key phrase, you know, a word that's banded around there sometimes, but it's really, really important to consider that. Um, and just secondly, with regards to the the price fluctuations you were speaking about there, you know, 0.1%, et cetera, et cetera. You mentioned the the prices in places like Nottingham, Leeds, Liverpool, Manchester, still doing 8, 9, 10, uh, 11%, which is obviously really, really good to see. Um, but one thing I would point out is I've been following the Home Track Report since around 2014, even before it was owned by Zoopla Group. And these prices are consistent. So even since at mm. that point in time, these top performing locations are still consistently doing I'd say five to five to ten percent, depending. You know, it's fluctuated slightly there, um, but they're still doing well. You still see the patterns in the particular cities which we focus on, which constantly do well. So when you look at the Halifax reports or the nationwide figures, yes, it might have gone down zero point one percent, and yeah, point taken. This is not a lot, but also this is for an average. It doesn't mean that there isn't pockets that you can pick and choose as an investor based on, you know, strong investment fundamentals where you can still get, you know, high, high performing um, property growth in the in the market. So I think looking at the supply aspect and considering those pockets of high performing cities uh, would be two points that I would really encourage everyone to, to zoom in on. Mm, yeah, exactly. And um, so going on um, to some, some, some more data as well. So. Um, there's a there's a good uh, economist uh, that I've been following for for some time, um, and yeah, I, I read a lot of his stuff, and yeah, he he is very very good because he looks at not just the economy, but he looks at sort of the, the behaviour behind it as well, um, and yeah, he, he goes by the name of uh, Roger Roger Martin uh, Fag is his full name, and yeah, he's he, he's been excellent. For, for the for the time I've been sort of reading about him, and he always comes across more uh, optimistic um, as well uh, in comparison to the, to the media, but he backs it up with data and evidence. So mm. I'm going to go through just some of the the data that he's. This is from October what he's he's presented, and I'm going to go through the data there, which again kind of it, it goes against what is being portrayed in the media and he he openly says that so there's there's a couple of myths that he he busts in his uh, latest report so and this is evolved around uk house prices of course what we're talking about so one of the myths uh, that he mentions is that uk house prices are are so expensive and they're only attainable by a select lucky few that's not again when we look at the bigger picture not necessarily correct he states um and these are the facts 
that in fact the average house today is no more expensive than it was in 2004 when adjusted for inflation. So just remember that we're not saying they're exactly the same price, but we're saying when it adjusted for inflation. Then when you look at real wages, and he, he presents the graph to show this, in, in real terms, the average person has 5% more spending power now than they did in 2004. Yet the real price of the average house hasn't changed. So what does that tell you? Well, it's actually still compared to previously, technically in a sense more affordable so that's one thing so saying people can't afford prices now and etc etc well no because wages are are, are are rising still in line to keep that attainable for the people now don't get me wrong there are people that can't afford and it is difficult and struggle we're not saying that but we're saying look at the data when I mean, you look at the data it shows a different picture the other thing um that he he mentions another myth is house prices in real terms uh, real terms grow faster than GDP in the long run. And what he says is they, they don't, they grow in, in line with GDP. Um, and if the real price of the average house grows faster than GDP for a few years, it'll be followed by a period where it grows less than GDP. So within the big boom of 2002, 2010, um, it's been followed by negative real growth. So the area in the line that they show um, just shows that over the next few years, the real price of a house will remain static or even fall. Uh, this means that house prices will rise, but only in line or a bit less than inflation. So again, indicating that um, prices will will rise. Um, so yeah, very, very interesting point there from the data that he's given in, in lines with GDP. Um, another myth that he, he does sort of go uh, against is that we can see a repeat of 2008, uh, the house price crash then. And in simplistic terms, no. We can't. The reason being is the 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 crash happened because banks um, couldn't lend, wouldn't lend. So that's why. And even just in August, the rules on lending have actually been loosened again. So there's there's it, it, there's still access to funds. So that's another reason. So restriction of lending is one that will affect house prices, of course. So yeah, just just to bear that in mind. And lastly, on some of his data that he looks like looks at, if we look at when we're saying about interest rates rising, it's going to be un unaffordable for people to, to have mortgages. If you look at the percentage, and I can show you this on my screen, actually, which I think would be a good idea. Let's get it up on the uh, obviously for the for the podcast, you won't see this, um, but uh, we, we should be able to actually we'll put a link in the show notes um potentially where you can when you can view this uh um this oh, this economic guide that we've got from him so if i grab this up now if I just present... a quick uh, quick plug there it's a good opportunity for, uh, if you subscribe to us on youtube um you'll be able to see the video of this and also the um the graph that toby is about to show yeah so let's get this up on here right so so you'll see here um, for the video purposes. So this is owner occupiers versus renters. So this will show the share of their income, which is spent on mortgages or rent. So let's look at private renters, um, which is the, the black bar there. And the blue bar here is owner occupiers that have mortgages. Look at the disparity. So if we come to 20 to 2021, 31 
17.2% of people's um, income is spent on rent. 17.7% is spent on mortgages. So what they're, what that's saying is, like, well, look, people can afford to rent up to that level and they're doing okay and still getting by. Um, so if they take a mortgage, it's still a cheaper option for them. So what that effectively means is that people can afford the mortgage. What we know is the problem is obviously getting the deposit, et cetera, all that. So as interest rates mm. rise, there's still going to be the affordability for them to afford these slightly higher mortgages. So again, just looking at the bigger picture there. So that's a lot from his data. I really recommend reading um, this, this uh, which we'll put in the show notes, of course, because it is eye-opening and it makes you have sort of a, a different view and, and, and sort of, way of thinking um and again it makes you think very differently when you're looking at what the media says so it's a uh, very very interesting to read yeah and it's like you said it's based on um you know real data real statistics uh the the report is quite formal it's you know something you can sit down read and then make a, an educated decision on but uh, what we do, as Toby said, you'll put a link into our uh, to our website with a um, with a post or, which will contain a uh, the report there, um, so you can go have a look for yourselves and, and make your own call. Yeah. So the so in that report, obviously, which I just and just now I just mentioned about mortgages. So moving on to mortgages, um, this is again another question we're having. Rates are rising. What should I do? I'm buying an investment now. Should I fix? Should I sit back and wait? Should I lock in, et cetera, et cetera? Well, look, if you're buying a property investment and you're worried about mortgages or you're just buying in general. So I've been speaking with mortgage brokers and uh, lenders, et cetera, just to really try and get an understanding about the market. And the feedback that I've got for this moment in time, so obviously this, this could change in the coming days or weeks, but the way the mortgage market is at the moment. So lenders have have pulled their products. The reason they've pulled their products is because of uncertainty uh, within the market. Obviously we had the mini budget, which scared a lot of, uh, scared a lot of people. Not only that, but they, they are overwhelmed with um, cases that they're having to put through at the moment. And when one product drops, then everybody that misses out on that product then goes to another one. So what they're doing is they're restricting so they can, get sort of caught up any products they get they they bring out will be slightly higher rates or maybe less favorable products and that's because if someone takes it well excellent somebody's taken that and it benefits them as a lender but if not they're happy because it just means they can get on top of what they've already got and with a bit of uncertainty that they're seeing which which we're all seeing they have they have sort of sort of scaled back and and we understand that Similar to they did in COVID, exactly the same thing happened in COVID. And once it settled, they came back out. So what should you do at the moment? Now, I'm not a mortgage broker, so speak to a mortgage broker, financial advisor or whatever to get real, real advice and, and which is sort of dedicated to yourself. But the, the feedback I'm getting from a lot of brokers and lenders is look at this moment in time at a variable or, or tracker mortgage product. The reason being, as it stands at the moment, it works out better than fixing i mean fixing at the moment you can be looking sort of around uh, sort of 5.7 uh, sort of 5 to 6% potentially um and that's because the reason they're so high is the money markets are pricing in a base rate of around uh, of sort of 5.75% for next year so they're factoring that in the reason they're doing that is because this is a response to the mini budget and what they're seeing the government do, which is likely to lead to higher inflation, which then means they're anticipating interest rate rises. 
So what, what we're sort of taking the view as and what a lot of brokers are as well, look, really, hopefully the way things are going, once it settles, that won't actually be the real um, sort of inflation that takes place and, and the base rate then won't go that high. And when, when that start, starts to come to fruition, what that means is you'll see it, uh, lenders offer more favorable rates because obviously they'll adjust that that figure for themselves. So why look at variable and tracker mortgages? Because as I said, they're currently currently sitting uh, lower. Um, I think you can get around 3% for a variable rate. And yes, of course, you have to be careful. And this is why you have to look into it and speak to a broker. If the rate rises, the base rate rises, uh, the Bank of England puts it up, then that will put up your variable rate as well. So you have to make sure you've got that buffer in there and you are comfortable mm-hmm. doing it. But again, let the mortgage market settle and we're, we're quite confident that once it's settled, you'll be in a, in a good sort of landscape. And hopefully, if inflation doesn't go to what they're anticipating, and we're, we're already seeing the government U-turn on a lot because of how they've seen the reaction, you should hopefully see a, a better mortgage market landscape anyway. That's uh, that's really useful. I mean, at some point, it might be worth getting someone on the podcast, uh, one of our many uh, quality mortgage brokers, and potentially speaking through it in a bit more detail. But don't forget, guys, uh, the other option is uh, buy off plan. So go yeah. put down a deposit. Um, we've obviously shown you the the house price rises on average, uh, which is forecast to continue. The uh, economist Roger that, that Toby quoted, he's still forecasting, you know, three to five percent growth. Again, that's on average over the next twelve months. Uh, that was dated from October as well. So, um, you know, you can put down a deposit, twenty-five to thirty-five percent. Put that away. You know, that's your uh, your investment pot, and you're going to benefit from that growth on the full property value. So, you put down twenty-five grand on a hundred grand property. Uh, believe it or not, there are places where you can get a hundred grand property, um, and then that can grow. You know, if that grows five percent a year, then you're in a you're in a great position there, and you've only deployed you know twenty-five percent odd of your capital. So, yes, you can you can play the game. You can leverage a bit more, especially if you're you're, you're you know re- really re- relatively well established, or you know you own a portfolio, or you're, you're liquid for capital, and you can play the game and get you know leverage as much as you can and really ride those interest rates or if you still want your money to work for you um, but you don't quite want to go all in right now then put down a 25 30 percent deposit with a safe developer the northwest of the uk and you're going to get yourself you know no one can say exactly but three to probably eight percent growth a year depending on the uh, opportunity so still ways to make money don't let it scare you um, as I say, compared especially to other global markets around the world, the UK is still considered very safe, very robust, especially the asset class that we work in, property. So uh, try not to be um, too disheartened by the news. And as Toby said, don't always take it as face value. Look into it and make your own your own decisions. Exactly. And I think when you're looking from an investor point of view, because a lot of the media headlines about the property market, they will be more home, owner-occupier own, own sort of led yeah, and focused. So when you when you're sitting as an investor, you need to take a different view. So one thing that they're not they're not mentioning, and of that they wouldn't, is well, what about the rental market? Because even even if there is uncertain times of the property market, and we're a bit bit of a standstill at the moment, um, because there is uncertainty. Well, what's the rental market doing? Well, again, let's look at the data. As an investor, you want to know what the rental market is doing because that's the big bulk of your monthly income. That's your yield. Of course, we look at capital growth, but month on month year on year again you're going to be getting that rental income which is which is chunky so the rental market is is increasing it's 
and it, there doesn't seem to be any signs of that slowing down. I know we're in a sort of cost of living crisis, etc., but people can still afford um, to rent, and we are seeing the rents push up now. Again, taking Home Track latest Q3 report, so this is Q3, not Q4. So just do bear that in mind. But rental prices annual change was up 12.3% as an average over the UK which is incredible that's an average over the UK so that with pockets will be will be more and this pockets will be slightly less mm. but that is incredible and the reason being and again this is something that isn't changing and is, is actually getting worse stock levels down 46% okay wow. so yeah that's against the 5 year that's 40 that's incredible so that whole reduction in stock is 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 really pushing up the rental prices um and Again, a lot of people say, well, you know, it's rental should, should rental price freeze, etc. Well, no, it, the rental market does sort of govern itself. They'll only go to a, a point where they're where they're affordable. Once people can't afford to, to to hit those rental prices, then they stop growing, of course. But what we're seeing is, and what, when we look at the data, rental prices in a lot of areas of the UK, mainly up north, etc., are very very affordable still. So we see that room of growth. I mean, if I take Let's take the the north the northwest twenty six point four percent for a single earner. That's the percentage of their income uh, that they spend on rental. That's nothing compared to um, other areas. So I think you've got yeah, London's still at forty seven point five percent, nearly half of their income, and that's a single earner. So if you get two people renting a property, of course, it's even more affordable. So that's just one example of how affordable mm. it is. Um, so yeah, when you're looking at the rental market, we are going to see rental prices increase. That should combat some of the interest rate rises that we're seeing. So you should still be able to get those good yields because as the rental prices increase and they, they have been lagging for some time, that will obviously sort of combat that that interest rate rise we mm. have um, and will be, uh, yeah, will be, will be very good. And then lastly, on the rental side, what we're seeing, which is positive for uh, most of our investors, is you're now seeing uh, an influx of people wanting city centre apartments or apartments, one and two beds in general. Reason being, cost of living, gas, electricity going up, what's the most efficient property to own? Where it's probably a new build, flat an apartment or a smaller flat an apartment that's more energy efficient, smaller and more cost effective to run. So again, the data is saying, I mean, just alone for two bed flats, the share of rental demand has gone up 36%. And obviously these are mm. mainly around city centers because that's where flats are based and that's where people are working. So just do bear that in mind. Because we get a lot of people say, oh, you know, should I invest in a flat or a house? They both have their pros and cons. But when you're looking at this at the moment, the cycle of the market, flats become more popular, which is very interesting, very interesting data to see. Definitely. And then the only thing I'd tag on that to the end is when you look at the percentage of the rent growth, that's actually £115 in terms of the increase in average monthly rent over the last year. So that's the actual cash figure you're looking at, which in some cases can be a lot uh, to, to, to landlords out there. Um, so in other words, you're getting 115 quid extra a month on average compared to this time last year. Um, and do remember as well, probably some form of this data is driven by the fact that um, not as if many, it's not as many people are buying property due to mortgage issues, wanting to reserve capital, whatever it may be. Obviously, it means more people are renting. 
So that's going to continue to drive the, the demand for the rental market and thus the prices and yields up. So actually, it is a great time to be holding property, especially in those uh, that one and two bed level in, in city centre locations. So there's actually very few downsides and a lot of supporting data to to getting in, as, as we always see, get in, hold the property, ride out the market storm and where where you're going to be in 5 10 15 years this is going to be a blip in the past so yeah, yeah. a couple of things to consider there and to to sort of round what what I set up in the beginning and what we've sort of said about throughout throughout this podcast in, in terms of the media and what they say and how that spooks people can really put people off i'm going to read you two article headlines now okay so this article headline is the most recent headline from nationwide obviously we know them uh, building society um but they're a lender of course in the market and they have their own sort of house price index exception reports their latest report and i'll read the headline annual house price growth slows to single digits in september now i actually had somebody send me this who was indicating that the market's crashing because of this and again when you read when you read into the data what is slowing what is slowing in annual UK house price growth to 9.5%? Well, wow. If 9.5% is is, uh, is bad growth, then yeah, I'll, <laughs> I'll take that all day long. Um, but then I'm going to read you this headline. House price growth slows sharply as the impact of the pan- pandemic begins to filter through. Now, of course, you can get, gather where that's from. That's from 2020, shortly after the pandemic hit. Um, I think that was that, that their May report. And they were saying growth slows to 1.8%. Prices down 1.7% month for month. So that's higher than obviously we saw Halifax say, I think it was a 0.1% or something that they month for month were down. So that just shows how you can't read too much into a headline because what happened after that headline that I just read uh, during the pandemic or well, prices um, in some areas we've had growth. Uh, we've had two years um growth which is the equivalent to around about 10 years worth of growth in some areas so growth just went through the roof so this is why we say it's all about just staying calm relaxing reading the data and again i've i've got a presentation i did um in april 2020 and i looked at the data stayed calm gave predictions and I did say that the market um, would would be fine and we would actually still see growth. I mean, again, it was a prediction. I, I'm only sitting here now saying it's true because it was. I could have been wrong. But looking at the data, that was my indication. And that's how it luckily did play out. So to conclude on this, what I would say in terms of my interpretation of the market is I think we are at a stage where there's uncertainty and with uncertainty, there's always hesitance in the market. So that's why we're seeing a bit of a standstill at the moment. We saw it during COVID. People sort of sat still and wanted to see what happened. As soon as that subsides and people know the landscape, people will get back to normal. Now, I'm not saying interest rates are going to drop or anything like that. What I'm saying is once it settles and we we know where interest rates are going to sort of sit around, whether that's five, six, whatever it may be, then people know how they can buy and what they can buy and how and how to move forward. Once that happens, you'll see more people surge back into the market. And then I think we'll, we'll have a nice sort of level, cool, calm market where you'll have steady increase. Again, maybe three to five percent 
um, over the next coming years and then sort of steady around that. That's my interpretation with how things are going. You'll see more mortgages come to the market, more products come out because lenders will need to be more competitive. So they'll have more competitive products and then it'll become uh, a lot, lot easier for more people to sort of carry on purchasing, carry on investing, etc. So that will be then more competitive for other people. So in my opinion, now is actually a good time to, to buy. Um, there's some aspects, some pockets where you might be able to get a deal because there is uncertainty and people want to sell or developers might want to shift some stock. So just do bear that in mind. Um, but that's what that's my thought process. But what I would say as well is, again, people say, should I invest now? Look, I always say this doesn't matter what the climate, uh, sort of, yeah, whatever the scenario. Yes, invest. You can invest. Doesn't matter what the market is, but invest correctly for that market. And if you can't, if you don't have the capacity to invest in that market, then of course, sit it out, wait for the for the circumstances to change for the market or for yourself. That means you can. But yes, you, what you will see is there's investors in every single type of market. They just invest the correct way. So that's all we're advising. If you are investing, invest correctly and within your means. So that that's my conclusion to that. Perfect. Yeah. And I would just say, let us help with that process. So Toby mentioned there about trying to bag a deal. I mean, what traditionally happens is developers are not quite as sensitive to the market news as uh, owner occupiers, namely because they normally know what they're doing, i.e. if there's a couple of media headlines, it doesn't mean they're slashed their prices by 20%. It's just it just doesn't work like that, especially if they're a decent developer and cash rich, they'll just ride it out. You know, they might get 10% 10% less sales that month it doesn't make a difference to them having said that let let us try for you so let us push for furniture packs legal fees you know maybe even a cash discount as well that's our job that's what we're here for um, and investing in these markets yeah you do have to be careful so let us show you the market data you know hyper local postcode data looking at different locations different deposit structures different incentives from developers um, and yeah, we can help you choose which developer to partner with to secure the best best rate on the market um, and the best opportunity. Exactly. I hope that has been insightful. Uh, as I said, we've we've based this episode on data uh, and then given our sort of conclusions and and, and sort of my thought process. Uh, you're you're obviously well in line to make up your own sort of thought and uh, conclusions based on the data and, and what we spoke about and what the market's doing, because again, it is open to interpretation, but that's just how we have seen things. Um, and lastly, people asking, am I still investing in this market? Yes, I am. I am still investing. Um, yeah. And so th- th- this hasn't stopped me. And there's lots of others that we know, of course, that are, are doing that also, but yeah, hope that's been Including helpful. Our staff including our staff yeah exactly um yeah one of our members of staff is just about to complete one in liverpool actually so uh, yeah hopefully any day sort of now that'll be sort of done and dusted for him so if you do ever have any questions or anything on this podcast has raised any questions that you'd like to go over i'm always happy to to speak reach out to myself or the one of the team uh, email us at info at trackcapital.co.uk and we can schedule a, a brief call just to go through anything that we spoke about any concerns you have about the market just general chit chat because as you can tell from the podcast mm. i do like to talk a lot about the property market and when, <laughs> don't once you get it. me going yeah, exactly once you get me going uh i won't stop so yeah just a word of warning on that side but yeah before we wrap it off as well the same on this side for anyone that's considering deploying capital overseas wants something different maybe wants a bit of diversification just email info at trackcapital.co.uk and ask for nick 
uh, wherever you've seen this online or whatever, you know, date, if you're watching or listening to this at a later date, uh, do get in touch, info at trackcapital.co.uk. UK stuff, Toby will speak you through anything Dubai related. Uh, as I say, I'm on the ground here, working and living here, so I can speak through everything on that side as well. So between us, we'll have both areas covered. Sounds good. Right. Well, thanks for listening cool. and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye.